good afternoon, good morning, or good evening, and welcome to the American Age Podcast. This is your host, C. Travis Webb, editor of the American Age, and I am speaking to you from Irvine, California. Hi, this is Stephen G. Fullwood. I'm the co-founder of the Nomadic Archivist Project. I'm coming to you from Harlem, and it's turned out to be a really hot day, about 84 degrees high. High of 84 degrees. Mm. And I'm Seth Rodney. I am the opinions editor at Hyperallergic. And I'm coming to you from Newburgh, um, where it's probably just as hot as it is in Harlem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is to remind our listeners that we practice a form of what we like to call intellectual intimacy, which is giving each other the space and time to figure out things out loud and together. Um, and we are going to talk about dystopian... Uh, movies and probably stories in general down the line, but we're starting out with uh, dystopian uh, films. Um, and uh, so I don't know. Let's just you know kind of jump into it. I think everyone knows what dystopia is, so uh, doesn't no, have to no, be. Doesn't no, have to no, be in, no, no, no. We should ahead. explain it. We should explain it. Uh, okay, so uh, a dystopian worldview. I, uh, a dystopian worldview is is one in which uh, the, usually the future. Uh, has worked out in a way in which the world has become worse than it is today. So right. Right. Um, social order is usually more hierarchical. The world is corrupted, um, usually follows, you know, a ragtag band of people, you know, looking to right or wrong or set uh, the world in order. A la Mad Max. A la Mad Max. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, technology usually plays some... Mm kind of dystopian function in mm -hmm. the dystopian future. Mm -hmm. um, you know, one thing we didn't, you know, in, in our text exchange, uh, you know, did we specifically say sci-fi or did we just, or did we say we didn't? Yeah. I think it was just dystopian. Yeah. You know, what's funny is I immediately went to sci-fi. Me too. Um, when, when I yeah. went to Steven cyberpunk, cause I was trying to figure out the cyberpunk films that I liked. Mm. And, okay. All but right. then I went dystopian immediately after that because i was like mm, i kind of want a, something that really that i have to watch every few years mm. something that, that brings me Ooh, back nice. to it yeah so um if i may yes please yeah please oh, cool. jump in. sure so there i'm just going to be really brief about the first one and it's brazil it's a huh. terry gilliam mm. film love it that's a great and, film you know and it's described <laughs> a, as yeah. you know, 1985 black comedy dystopian science fiction mm. film directed by terry gilliam of you know of monty python and it stars jonathan price robert de niro kim grice and some other folks but the mm. film centers on a nondescript guy a low-ranking bureaucrat trying to find a woman who appears in his dreams while he's working in a mind-numbing job and living in a small apartment mm -hmm. and this is a dystopian world where there's an over-reliance on poorly made morning poorly maintained machines. Mm -hmm. So there's bureaucracy, hyper-surveillance, corporatism, state capitalism, and it's reminiscent of the other film that I love, which is 1984. Mm. And uh, it's one of the few films that I think exist. It, it's its own thing. The book is great. I love 1984, George Orwell's 84, but 1984, the film, it, it really does a great job of sinking you into a place and it's a lot less dark comedy. <laughs> it's just straight up terrible. Mm. But um, Brazil is darker than the the 1984 film for several reasons for me. And one is that it's a satire, and they're constantly making you laugh. But it's like this is would be an awful world to live in. 
the guy that you're supposed to identify with, Jonathan Price's character, Sam, I think, Sam, Sam Laurie. Sam is just, he's a victim of everything. He, be, he believes one thing, and then towards the middle of the film, he's like, I'm going to stand up and be this, you know, superhero that he is in his fantasy. Mm-hmm. And, it do, and it doesn't work. <laughs> it's kind of <laughs> like being in a, um, the guy uh, dreams of, a, uh, do sheep's dream of electric sheep. Mm. This is Philip do, K. An, do androids do, do androids, androids dream of electric sheep? Thank you. Uh-huh. Yeah, and that's um, uh, our guy was a Philip K. Dick. So it's like being in one yeah. of those yeah. books mm-hmm. where mm, no way out. There's no way out. Even in your dreams, there's really no way out. So mm. I, I go to Brazil because it's such a mess of a film. There's just so much going on, and it's funny, and they're faceless. But it doesn't it doesn't signify the future the way that um, the dystopianism in um, 1984 does mm. with the with the gray palettes, the clothes. There's just trash everywhere, and there's all this information getting and disinformation providing. It's all of this stuff together. Like I said, when I watch those films, I own both of those films because every so often I have to watch those films. They put me in a lovely state of being to think about what's possible in the U.S. Over surveillance, you know, over reliance mm-hmm. on technology, um, and then also just the, the distrust of the government, mm-hmm. a distrust of the government. And I think that what's funny is I think about the tropes of what film does. You're supposed to identify with the lead character or characters that are trying mm-hmm. to right a wrong. Cut what you just said, Travis. They're trying to right a wrong. We're humans. We deserve love and and color mm-hmm. and clothes that don't, aren't gray. <laughs> <laughs> but most of those films that I've seen, like like Terminator Two or I'm trying to think of some of the other ones. Um, the guy Book who's of in Eli? the chair. Hmm? Book of Eli. I didn't watch I, that I, because I am I'm just not excited by him. Okay. Those films don't excite me. I, okay. I'm not excited by either of those characters. But the, the guys I, in a chair. So this is a mm. Marathon Man. Is it Marathon Man? Okay. Marathon Man. Running Man. Is it Running Man? I know it's the name of a dance. Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> we can sell you your um oh, your dreams. Total, Total recall. recall. Thank you. Okay. That's not yeah. a dance. <laughs> that was a that was a yeah. that was a fun film. That was yeah. a fun yeah. film. Was fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was fun film, and I think it stands up. The remake of it was just, eh, it was all right. Yeah, yeah. It yeah, didn't it really was, do it, it for me, but but I like those films because they they have the '80s optimism with mm-hmm. that you can do anything yourself, and they're highly individualistic. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. they have to overcome insurmountable odds to get something to change. And I go, oh, these fairy tales. <laughs> it's just not what you know and that's why i rather i I rather take my stuff where it's just dead on the guy doesn't win i, I like my dystopian to be very dystopian i don't want mm-hmm. winners mm-hmm. i'm not sure yeah. why mm-hmm. but i think that it leads people to believe they have more power than they think they do Mm. When the Arthur Schwarzeneggers and they're punching people and they're, you know, sliding down mountains or whatever, I'm like, eh. <laughs> it's fun. It's a bit of you know, but it doesn't take me out of out the way the other films do. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Like so that. that's yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, the 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 one where the hero wins. I mean, that's just a classic hero's journey. That's a, though, exactly. Right? Right. I mean, so, that's right. That is I mean, a classic hero's journey. Um, yes. So, although I, you know, I think the other is the, you know, the hero loses. And so there's the class, you know, there's the hero's journey that he doesn't make the journey, doesn't finish. So mm-hmm. he doesn't, he doesn't I overcome. Want, and, I want a lot of and, laughing though. And a lot of, yeah, that's some bullshit. That's what I, I want <laughs> in my, dystopian, my dystopian. I don't want, yeah, I don't, I don't need him or her or them to win. I don't. 
I don't. Right. Yeah, it doesn't do anything yeah. for me. If they win, then I'm I'm, I'm kind of arms folded. You know, I'm like eh, whatever. You know, I, I'm. I I have to say I respond mostly like you do to the films you've mentioned, Stephen. But um, 1984, the book, I find really hard to get through. I mean, I mm. read it and I do appreciate the writing, but it was it's so dark. It, there's oh, no okay. there's no light in that mm-hmm. book at all. I mean, the no, way it's pretty it ends, dense, yeah. The way it ends mm-hmm. is by this man being tortured by the very thing that he most fears. Yes. Because he dared to show like a little a little hope or he wanted to love someone. No. Just a little. Yeah. No, it it ends with a coda that turns it into a history book as if this regime right. is in the past. Right. And so mm. so it ultimately the, the you know the very end of the I mean certainly the end of Winston's story is mm. as you described it. Mm. But it's mm-hmm. clear that that this regime has ultimately fallen apart. And, okay. and and one can assume that because it's a history that's being written, you know, in supposedly kind of a traditional liberal scholarly history, that mm-hmm. that that um, that society has not survived, okay. and that something else has taken its place. Thank you, thank you. And it's the same that's kind helpful. of um, move that uh, what's her name does with the Handmaid's Tale. Um, the mm-hmm. the, the coda to the Handmaid's yep. Tale is is yep. sort of yep. quite smug academics presenting this story at a conference um, uh-huh. in a story which is constituted out of this handmade right. um, um, uh, see, um, what do you call it? Hidden secreted um, diaries. Diary, um, right. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, uh, I remember thinking I, I kind of like that move. It is both it's sort of, it's a sort of release valve, like all the sort of fear and animus and 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 Anger that builds up for me reading mm-hmm, The Handmaid's mm-hmm. Tale kind of gets released. But I also don't like it because it's, it feels like it's also letting us off the hook. Because, mm. I mean, that, I, I mean, that dystopia, that kind of, that kind of world is possible, isn't it? Yeah. I, I mean, oh, I yeah. agree with you. You know, the, it, it, it's, you know, I'm, to be fair, I might be reading into, into it a little bit because one of the things that just occurred to me is, um, you know, my initial response that it does seems kind of arrogant and triumphalist, you know, like sort of the direction of history is sort of, but you know, in, in, in actuality, you know, one of the most famous histories in the world was written by, I'm going to butcher his name, by Sima Chan, uh, Sima Chan, which was, uh, the court historian, in ancient China, who was castrated and died in exile, um, but his but his ancient history of China is considered one of the great works of world history. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, he, there's he, you can read that book now, but and that regime is in fact gone, uh, you know. But it didn't end that. I mean, history is still marching on, right. you know, and. You know, data centers in China are currently wide open to the Xi Jinping's regime to, mm-hmm. you know, help, uh, you know, enforce uh, or block and suppress dissent within the country. Yes, and absolutely. Around. So, so you know, it's, it's, I probably should, I, you know, it's, I'm making that extra. I mean, the book does end that way, but I'm making that extra move to suggest that it's, you know, ultimately hopeful. It's not necessarily ultimately hopeful. That's just, that's kind of the framework that, 
that I bring to it, that if you can produce these histories that you are doing so, you know, from some tenured chair somewhere, which is not necessarily the case. So, And also we're talking about when you say world versus society, exactly. You just describe that. Like, so we don't have a dystopian world in that way, but we may have societies that are teetering on or have right. dystopian qualities that right. exist now. Yeah. So, yeah. Right. For sure. For sure. Hyper surveillance um, okay, so being one of them, for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, and, and you know the the you know Stephen, your taste for you know ones in which the hero um, doesn't win. I get. I think mm-hmm. mine is is a tick just okay. off from that. I don't. I the ones where the hero uh, you know that are that are very triumphalist are just kind of boring right. movies. Mm-hmm. They tend to be not always. You know, I'm sure always, there are definitely yeah. exceptions. Yeah, the first Matrix was a lot of fun. That was in my head. Yes, actually, it yeah. was. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. The first one was a lot of fun for sure. Um, yeah, but I I sort of like the ones in which you know the hero kind of wins, but then you know not really. You know, oh, like, those are fun. You know, yeah. like yeah. you know, like if if you take if the story had you know a couple more scenes or you had it like mm-hmm. no, he didn't really he didn't really win. So so I get the um, uh-huh. I absolutely get you know not necessarily wanting everything kind of in a neat bow. You know, here we are, we've won, everything is is better now. So mm-hmm. um, so you wanted to you list would, your choices? Uh, yeah. Well, so I had two. Um, I'm gonna. Uh, and we can just you know talk about one of them. Uh, one is the is the movie version of uh, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, which is Blade Runner, uh, the first one, uh, the, the original one. Mm-hmm. I, I thought the remake was was good, also, but yeah. I do prefer the first one with Harrison Ford. Uh, my other one, which is probably a slightly different conversation, which I'm I'm happy to have, is mm-hmm. that uh, is Star Wars. So Interesting. I, I think I think Star Wars is basically dystopian. Yeah, oh, I never the, thought about the that. Empire. The Empire wins. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. And mm. it's it's not ever. I mean, in my experience, it's not really talked about like a dystopian sci-fi. It is not at all. Yeah, no, yeah, not at all. Yeah. But I do think it is. So you know, a in the you know in the prequel, the, the Empire wins. Um, in 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 basically each of them. Uh, in each of the cycles, a following cycle leads to the empire sort of right. making a resurgence, whatever the new right. empire is. Yeah. Um, and, and not, not to mention that, I mean, there's, these tend to be very hierarchical societies, uh, mm-hmm. on, you know, most mm-hmm. of these worlds. Mm-hmm. Um, the actual cities when they're represented, um, are very like seedy and dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, it, you don't feel like you can, you know, it's not like walk down the street in the middle of the night kind of, uh, <laughs> neighborhoods in, in, uh, right. in the Star Wars universe. Yeah. Um, you know, crime seem, you know, crime syndicates seem to be all powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, so, you know, that, that, that would be, uh, that would be my, my two, wow. um, the, the Blade Runner fits into what I had said previously, though. You know, so Decker looks mm-hmm. like he's one, but in the uncut director's version, you know, there's the little unicorn that's yes. left at the at the end of the film. Yes. Um, to, you know, to be, Decker is is basically you know the implication being that Decker is a kind of replicant, mm-hmm. um, and that he so he you know 
he's just a part of this enormous machine yes. and is actually, you know, his little fantasy of, mm. you know, a country road and sort of living happily ever after is just some, you know, programmed little fantasy that he's been given the space to enjoy for a few years. So, okay. so yeah. I wanted to say first that the, mm. the Blade Runner 20, what is it? Twenty forty nine? Not twenty forty nine. Something I don't remember. But yeah, I, yeah with, something uh, like um, that. Gosling is not mm. a remake. It's actually um, it's supposed to be a sequel. It, mm. Oh, did I say remake? Yeah, so definitely a sequel. Yeah, yeah right, definitely right, right. a sequel. And mm. so, like you, I I remember. Okay, so very briefly, I fell asleep on Blade Runner four times until I read the book. <laughs> and then the fifth time I watched it, I was like, wow, this is a great film. <laughs> but I could not get through that film. I would, no matter where I was, I'd be like, mm-hmm, at wow. home. <laughs> but Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, I really, really, really enjoyed. I really mm. enjoyed it. Um, but yeah, dystopian. And I, I've only seen one Star War, and that was the first one. Because I don't mm. like the idea of wars in space. <laughs> It sounds ridiculous, <laughs> but I remember someone asking me, I was like, Star Wars? Why are we warring in space? It makes sense. If we're going to war on land, we should probably war in space. It makes sense. But, um, <laughs> that's, that's funny. It, yeah, that's but funny. It's, 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 it's I don't remember uh, Blade Runner very well. I mean, on, on, honestly, I think the last time I saw it was I was in my early 20s. I mm. remember being very impressed by it. I have not read the book by Dick. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I, it's one of those things. Now that it's mm. now that we're talking about it, I wish that I could read it. Uh, awesome. I think Blade Runner. Um, the thing about all the films that we've talked about so far mm-hmm. is that they're actually all really beautifully shot. I mean, they're all kind of. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think 1984 is at the sort of peak of despair. Um, uh, but, but it's, it's still, it's the way it's shot mm-hmm. is very kind of seductive. Uh, I think so. And, and, and I mean, that's certainly true for, for Blade Runner. I mean, that's probably the most, um, visually enthralling of, of the films that we've talked about so mm-hmm. far. Um, and Star Wars is up there and Star Wars is, mm-hmm. you know, Star Wars came on the scene and I think it did a, a few things at the same time, which made it a kind of cultural watershed. Mm-hmm. Was it represented the story of? Because at the heart of it, really, it's kind of a story. It's it's two stories. It's the story of empire building and the rebels trying to take down the empire, right? Which the, and mm-hmm. the empire produces its own set of rebels, right? Yes. So it's a kind of uh-huh. it's a kind of um, snake eating itself. Um, but at the same time, within yeah. that, there's the story of. The father trying to overcome the son, trying who eventually becomes the father. So that's a kind of mm. circle within a circle, right? Um, Luke Skywalker, you know, confronts Darth Vader, and Darth Vader is like, mm-hmm. you know, you come over to the dark side, never know. Oh, you're not my father. Oh. Like, like, <laughs> <laughs> you don't even need to see the films to know that. But that 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 thing of like the organism producing its own destruction is mm-hmm. really interesting and then and then star and then what star wars did was they made that cinematic they made and maybe they had huge special effects and and visiting planets and that it was like these sort of mm-hmm. wholly realized fever dreams so mm-hmm. it's it's 
it's it just isn't it's an interesting choice, Travis, because it's it doesn't make me think of dystopia, but it is dystopian. Mm-hmm. Um, um, it's kind of. A, Bef- I, I want to follow you on that. I, mm-hmm. The only thing I, if if, if we're going to move up Blade Runner, the only thing I, I, I have to do a mm-hmm. shout out for one of the my favorite all time bits of trivia around a film, which is okay. the last speech that Rutger Hauer delivers oh, when yeah. his character is I've, dying. I've seen stars is, on la la la. Yeah, yeah. I, I pulled it up. So I've seen things you people mm-hmm. wouldn't believe. Attack ships on fire off the shoulder of Orion. Mm-hmm. I watched sea beams glitter in the dark near the Tannhauser Gate. All those moments will be lost in time, like tears in rain. Mm-hmm. Time to die. Time to die. And didn't he, he make that up? Yeah, that. he made that yes, up. He improvised. What? Oh my god! Yes, that was not the original what? script. What? So, I'm mean, a fan of his. Forever. Anyone, I was like, wow. You know, mm-hmm. every, any like just sort of like run of the mill sci fi nerd knows that wow. that bit of trivia. But, yeah, <laughs> but it's I mean, but it is one of those things where I just, I mean, this sort of the existential weight and reminder yeah. of mm-hmm. life's brevity. Yep. Um, Amazing. It's probably one of the, you know, kind of hits the sweet spot for me as far as, okay. you know, the stories go. So, yeah. No, uh, yeah. But, anyways, I'm happy to jump back over to Star Wars. I just didn't, I didn't want to, I feel like if anyone ever talks about Blade Runner, they should always, you know, pay obeisance to Rutger Hauer. I'm sure. I'm sorry, Groovy. So. Absolutely. It's just uh, that's stunning. Yeah. I, I yeah. did not know that. That's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, the Star Wars one. Yeah. I mean, the Star Wars one's a little, you know, it's like I said, it's kind of a boundary case because you can make a very strong argument in the other direction. I mean, you know, the, the, the main, the core trilogy is, you know, the Empire is overthrown. And in Return of the Jedi, I mean, literally, you know, the father is fully redeemed and his ghost is standing there, you know, mm-hmm. like reunited with, you know, the, the people from his previous life. So, mm-hmm. um, there's an afterlife, you know, I, so in, if you were to just take the, the central three films, mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's, it's hard, I think, to, you could maybe still make an argument, but it's much harder to make the argument that it's dystopian. Mm-hmm. When, but as writers have returned to that universe, mm-hmm. it's it, it's recurrent theme of um, kind of the omnipresence of evil mm-hmm. and the power of the dark side, mm-hmm. um, and just their representations of the world itself. Um, there is no sense. Uh, I mean, there is no sense of like. I mean, what's the opposite of dystopian? Right? Is obviously utopian. utopian. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, which is the idea that things are getting better. There's mm. no sense in Star Wars that anything's getting better. Right. Right. Were you about to say something, Stephen? No, I agree with you, and I haven't seen but one Star Wars. It's just all the trivia around yeah. it and all the. The nerdism that's happened. If I feel like I can track every film, I'm like, oh, I haven't seen it, but yeah, isn't that happened there? And but yeah, yeah I never got that feeling that it was a utopian. I just got it that they were constantly fighting. The resistance was always up. It was also always identified with the resistance, right? Mm-hmm. So, but eh. yeah, yeah, and I mean that just that very, that very straight ahead observation. Like, there's all it's a, it's an ever present war. Yeah. In, mm-hmm. in this, I mean, you know, which is obviously right in the name, Star Wars. But I mean, mm-hmm. but that that sort of like that's definitely a pretty dystopian, for sure. You know, sort of of world. Um, you know, even though I you know watch all you know, the Mandalorian is a great uh, mm-hmm. TV show and um, a, probably one of the best things they've done in Star Wars in a long time. But mm. that's what the nerds um, say. So, 
That's what the nerd yeah. said. <laughs> <laughs> well, I second it. So I mean, it's, it's definitely, it's, it's good. Hi, and thanks for listening. That was part one of two in our conversations on dystopian stories. Uh, we hope you'll join us next week. Thanks very much. Thank you.